about worship overflowing. And uh, we have not only the gathering of brothers and sisters in this room, but we also have an overflow crowd uh, in our fellowship hall. Maybe we could just say hello to them real quick by saying in unison, He is risen. Ready? One, two, three. He is risen. And they're going to say, He is risen indeed. But you can't hear that. Uh, but... Uh, you know, uh, don't feel sorry for those people in overflow. Uh, they're the people having Easter dinner while you're waiting to get out of the parking lot. So uh, <laughs> after dying for sins on the cross, as, after being sealed in the tomb on the third day, Jesus burst from the grave fully alive and ready to fill his followers with his resurrection power. But... History proves that Jesus' followers can be rather slow to receive his resurrection power. In fact, the Easter account itself in the Gospel of John chapter 20 reveals how after Jesus' resurrection, some of his first followers were rather slow in being made alive. John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Mary stood outside the tomb crying and crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. The angels asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there but did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. In the evening, when the disciples were huddled together, afraid behind locked doors, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, Jesus showed them his hands and sighed. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. But Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is Easter. This is when Jesus bursts the bonds of death with an explosion of resurrection power. But notice how even after Jesus was made alive, some of his first followers were rather slow to come to life. 
Even though Mary Magdalene saw the empty tomb, she still stood at the tomb crying and crying. Even though Thomas heard that Jesus was alive, he sat there doubting and doubting. So the Easter account demonstrates two truths. The first truth is that Jesus is alive. The second truth is that sometimes his followers can be rather slow to be made alive with his resurrection power. So how about you this Easter? Jesus is alive, but how about you? Have you been made alive? It's possible that today you are like Thomas. You sing the Easter songs, you listen to the Easter story about Jesus being alive, but truth be told, you're not so sure. You think Easter is a nice tradition and all, but you're not so sure that Jesus literally rose from the dead. You figure that maybe his resurrection is really just a a metaphor for how Jesus is still alive and the memories of his followers or just a general message of hope. And if this is where you are today, I encourage you to do what Thomas did. Do some first-hand investigation. Jesus invited Thomas to reach out his hand and do some hands-on research regarding his resurrection. And Jesus invites you to do the same thing. I know a guy uh, who did this. Lou Wallace was a lieutenant in the U.S. Army and became a lawyer and grew into a hard, bitter, sarcastic man who had no patience for people who believed in Jesus. And as an attorney, he set out to write a book that would settle once and for all the case against Jesus. So for two years, he studied in the leading libraries of Europe and America and uh, did some research that he thought would disprove Jesus' resurrection. And several years after his research, he had completed the first four chapters of his masterpiece and came to an unexpected conclusion. Uh, This hardened, embittered man wrote these words. I was in an uncomfortable position. I had begun to write a book to prove that Jesus had never even lived on earth. Now I was face to face with the facts that he was a more historic personage than Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, Virgil, or Dante. I asked myself, if Jesus was a real person, and he was without a doubt, could he not then also be the Son of God and the Savior of the world? Gradually, the consciousness grew that since Jesus was a real person, he just might be who he claimed to be. I fell on my knees to pray for the first time in my life, and I asked Jesus to show himself to me to forgive my sins and help me become his follower. Toward morning, the light broke into my soul. I went into my bedroom, woke my wife, and told her that I had just received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Lou Wallace abandoned the research he had done for those two years, but used that research to write another book called Ben-Hur a story centered on his belief in Jesus. Then Ben-Hur was made into what many 
critics call the best movie ever made. Uh, for 50 years, the movie Ben-Hur uh, held the record for the most Academy Awards, winning 11 Oscars, a record it still holds today, tied with the movie Titanic and Lord of the Rings. Meanwhile, Jesus so changed Lou Wallace that he was transformed from this hard, bitter, cynical man into a man who loved God and loved people and became the beloved governor of the state of New Mexico. You see, one powerful indication that Jesus really rose from the dead on Easter morning is that every day since, he has been answering that Thomas-like prayer of Lou Wallace, Jesus, show me that you are alive. You know, statisticians say that each day now in the 21st century, 74,000 people across the globe put faith in Christ. That means that every hour, another 3,083 people experience the truth that Jesus is still showing himself to be real and alive. And maybe this hour, it's your turn to be made alive. But maybe you're saying, I'm no doubting Thomas. I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, so was Mary Magdalene. But she was also rather slow to really come alive with the power of the resurrection. Uh, Jesus was alive, but Mary stood there crying. Uh, first, the angels asked Mary, why are you crying? And then in a comic twist, one of my favorites in the whole Bible, Jesus himself asks Mary, why are you crying? And thinking Jesus was the gardener, Mary says, I'm crying because Jesus is not here. She was a little slow to uh, come alive. But then there was that moment that changed Mary's life forever. The risen Jesus spoke her name. Jesus whispered, Mary. And when Jesus whispered her name, Mary finally received his resurrection power. When Jesus whispered her name, Mary finally stopped crying and was made alive. And on this Easter morning, Jesus asks you the same question that he asked Mary. Why are you crying? Not talking about crying on the outside. We're talking about crying on the inside. And the one who sees you and the parts of you that no one else can see, this one asks, why are you crying? Tears of worry and fear and hopelessness. Why are you crying as if I was not here? right in the midst of the situation that you're facing. If you listen right now, Jesus is whispering your name. You know, here at BlackRock, we used to have uh, Easter dramas every year. Uh, both Christmas and Easter, uh, we had these musicals centered on the life of Jesus, which involved someone playing Jesus uh, in the, the kind of the, the accounts leading up to the culmination of the resurrection scene. And going back about, oh, 25 years or so, who do you think played Jesus five times in a row? Yeah, that's me. Uh, I really loved it. And I was really looking forward to year number six. But, uh, you know, over five years 
one's body changes a little bit. And uh, to my shock, in year number six, I was replaced by a slimmer savior. <laughs> Apparently, there were some geniuses at BlackRock who did not want a Messiah that looked like he had a thing for Israeli pastry. But when I was Jesus, you know, before the love handles, I had a really cool experience. I had just finished the final resurrection scene. The presentation was over. And I was backstage, sitting on a chair, still in full beard and costume. And in walked an older woman leading her granddaughter, four or five years old, by the hand. And they poked their head into the room. And the woman said, if it's okay, my, daughter, or my granddaughter, Katie, would like to meet Jesus. And I said, of course, sure, come on in, Katie. And I put Katie on my lap. And it was clear that Grandma wanted me to just play it, you know, as Jesus. And so I said, Katie, thank you for going out of your way to seek me. And as soon as I said that, I started getting all choked up. I got choked up because I realized that I was not seeking Jesus that way, but there were, you know, days when I just routinely ignored the fact that Jesus was there, right in the midst of my life. But then I moved beyond those tears of regret, and as Jesus, I then said to Katie, Katie, I've known you since the day you were born, and I love you so much that I wanted to sacrifice my life for you. And then when I said this in a flash, I realized how true this was and how Jesus loved me that way. And now I really got choked up and uh, not with tears of regret, but with tears of realization that Jesus was my truest friend who was with me every day of my life, every second to shower me with his grace and love. And then I, I said a few more words uh, through my tears. And then I said a few other things to Katie. But then this joy, this sense of joy just came over me. And, and I remembered how Jesus' presence just changes everything in my life. And my tears went into laughter. And I started to giggle. And then I cried some more. And I laughed some more. And then it happened. Uh, Katie had seen me go from those tears uh, to laughter. And I could see that moment in Katie's eyes. I could see that moment in Katie's eyes when she realized that I was not the real Jesus. <laughs> and that she was sitting on the lap of a man with a fake beard who was also emotionally very unstable. <laughs> and she patted my hand and walked away saying, Grandma, I think we're done here. And uh, it was, it was, I don't know if it's a very good moment for Katie, but it was a great moment for me. It was so powerful because in that moment, Jesus whispered to me, whispered my name. Mary kept saying, I'm crying because Jesus is not here when Jesus was standing right next to her. Mary was drowsy to his presence until Jesus spoke her name in a personal whisper. If you listen, Jesus is whispering your name right now. Jesus wants to make it personal. He wants to make this resurrection day personal to you. He wants you to personally wake up to his presence so that you're made alive, 
with his resurrection power. Power to break the chains of guilt from your past. Power to break the bonds of bitterness. Power to set you free from anger and fear and old ways. Power to stop crying inside and start singing inside. Singing because your lost dreams are now found. Singing because your empty life is now full of his presence. Singing because Jesus defeated even death for you. Singing because Jesus is there and because he is there with you. Nothing is impossible. Jesus is alive. But what about you? The same Jesus who wiped away Thomas's doubt and Mary's tears is here right now and he's calling to you to receive his resurrection power so that like him, you are made alive. Let's talk to him right now. On a Sunday morning like this, Jesus burst the bonds of death, came to life, but Mary was still crying because she thought Jesus wasn't there. Then Jesus whispered her name, and Mary could stop crying and start singing. Right now, if you listen, Jesus is whispering your name. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling you to receive power to stop crying and start singing. Jesus is calling you to receive his resurrection power, power to free you from your past, power to start over fresh and new, power to love and forgive and reach out and change the world. Jesus is calling right now, not out loud, just in your heart. Would you please just respond to his call? Jesus, thank you for being our Savior who is alive. Now, would you make us alive in you? Amen.